these guys driving mud and over rocks, four by four trials, it's fought tough. That's not the toughness I'm talking about. And then as a kid, I had Bata shoes, and they always said these Bata shoes are tough shoes. Because when I came from school, grumpy, each stone that was in my way had to be kicked. And if there's a dog in the way, that also had to be kicked. You see, that was Bata tough. But the toughness I'm going to talk about today is not Ford or Bata tough. The toughness that I'm going to look today and that we've got to try and deep and dig for is that it's a toughness that we're going to need as Christians, as people that believe in Jesus Christ in a time of uncertainty. Because this world has given us an uncertainty. And what the world is trying to do in this uncertainty is to bring fear. You see, uncertainty is going to be there. We will have to deal with it. But fear is optional. And how are we going to stand against fear? Because we have got to be tough to stand against fear. Changes came rapidly. The one moment we were still free the next moment, we were in lockdown. We had no choice. The lockdown became a financial lockdown. The lockdown further became a lockdown from friends, from church. And fear started to grip people. Fear started to grip people to start becoming alone in their homes, not moving out. But that's an optional. Because we as Christians has to be tough. Because the world is looking at us. And the world is trying to see where we're getting our strength from. Where are we drawing the strength from? Because they're seeing a toughness in some of us that they cannot understand. Where do we get this from? The world is shaking. It, it happened with us. When COVID came, the guest house was in lockdown. There was nothing. Suddenly, the income didn't just gradually become less. It stopped. Tours were canceled. Accommodations were canceled. There was an uncertainty of what was going on. Will the tour still start coming? Will something happen? And I started Oh God help me. I started to come to a place where I started fearing. How are we going to get through this? What is going to happen when we lose the guest house? How are we going to? And if it wasn't for friends like this sitting here, I would have still been in that place. 
because suddenly everything that I knew was gone. And suddenly everything that I learned about how to manage a business, how to run a business, how to be an accountant was gone. I couldn't on paper produce something substantial. But I had a rock. I had a rock. It was Alwyn. She brought me back to the rock that she was planted on. And if it happened to me, to who else did it happen? To who else did it happen? Because you see, suddenly, the world saw something in me that was not Christianity. My words that I was speaking was, Ja, dit gaan swaar. Ja, dit gaan moeilijk. Nowhere did in my words come the thing of God. Jesus Christ, my rock. Until I had to go and sit down and say, Jesus, you are my rock. Take away this fear. I don't care what I lose. I don't want to lose you. I don't want to lose eternity. Because at that moment, I was like a Peter denying him. And it happened again. We wrote Amy into three varsities. Nothing happened. Unfortunately, she's one of the intelligent ones in our home. I wasn't intelligent, and I got in. I was a little bit more intelligent than I am, and she got in. Sinead got in through a social, sociality. But she... She couldn't get in. Jesus, what's going on? And suddenly that fear started gripping again. What are we going to do with her? She's got all the marks. She's got everything. Deny, deny, deny. Not good enough, not good enough, not good enough. And I started taking her fear onto me. Until the rock came again. And said, believe in Jesus Christ. Believe in Jesus Christ. He knows what is good for each one of us, not you. But I'm intelligent. If things are right, then she should get in. Her marks are right. She should be there. Believe in Jesus. And that's how it works. At 99.99%, a phone call comes. But Jesus, that's not what we're written in for. That's not what she wants to do. Who are you to tell me what she's going to do? Thank Jesus. And you see, the world is looking for us to have that confidence and that toughness to go through what we're going through now. Uncertainty in this world is unavoidable. Fear is avoidable. See, we've got hope. We've got a hope that the world is looking for. We are a generation that God has put on this earth to write history. 
we do not know what the future is lying ahead for us. Not one of us. But we can write history. That the young children that are in that class there can look back on and say, that is the history that I saw my parents and my friends go through. You see, that happened. That happened in the beginning. Because we are in a privileged situation now that we have a history that we can hold on to, that we can go back to and say, through the ages and through the history, this has happened. But we've got to take that history and start writing our own history. And the history started in the beginning in creation, and it was good. There was no toughness needed. It was good. God said it was good. It went haywire when the doubt of uncertainty was planted into human mankind. And fear gripped of not knowing all and everything. Why do I not know? Why am I dependent on God? And sin came into this world. And it became tough. It became ugly. It became death. And then, and then the start of the restoration and hope for all of us. For all of us. In Romans 15, 12, the restoration was prophesied. I don't know, if, did I give it to you? Ah, okay. And Isaiah said, the root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. This whole section comes out of Isaiah 11.10, you haven't got it. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. In him will the Gentiles hope. And that played off just over 2,000 years ago. The curtain was starting to draw. The curtain was starting to close on an old history. And the curtain tore in two for a new history and a new beginning and a new compensation. Jesus Christ. The old wind, it's history. It's foretold everything to this day. And in this day, that history is history. It is still there. It is still something we can look at. But the new future was starting to be written. The new future that we are part of. A history that wasn't part of us, but a future that drew us in. Us as Gentiles. And it started with the willingness of one man 
one man called Jesus Christ that came onto the scene. Just over a week ago, this one man came riding into Jerusalem. In Zechariah 9.9, it says, Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And as you can, can remember that as Jesus started riding into Jerusalem, the people were throwing branches and palm trees and palm leaves onto the ground for him to ride on. And it's been said in Le Leviticus 23:40, on the first day you are to take branches from luxuriant trees, from palms, willows, and other leafy trees, and rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. The beginning is when he started entering and started rewriting history for us. We know as he entered Jerusalem how he cleaned the temple. We know how he intensified his teaching with the disciples. We know how he went into the garden. Withdrawing from the people the day before. In Luke 22, 42 to 44, I don't think I gave it to you. He withdrew about a stone's throw behind them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Uncertainty, because he was man. He had a flesh like me and you. Uncertainty was there. Uncertainty of what he was going through. He knew he had to go to the cross. But he was uncertain. The flesh started with uncertainty. But then, fear never gripped him. Fear never gripped him. Because he knew where he's hopeless. He knew the Father. That was his hope. That was his hope. Take this cup from me. But Father, not my will, but yours. And an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. A man in agony. A man that was uncertain, knowing that he had to go to the cross. But this body, this body doesn't want to die. But then he says, fear, stand aside. I know my Father. I know who He is. And I am willing to go through what He has asked me to do. Even if it's to death. I know Him. I know Him. Not my will, but Your will, Father. Not my will. And in these times... Shouldn't we say, 
not my will, Father, but your will. Your will only. We know that Friday came and the King, a glorious King, went into a horrible period of his time, but a gloriousness for us. You see, the hope of a king for Israel was betrayed by a friend. He was unjustly arrested. He was illegally tried and convicted by people that were bribed with money. He was flogged. He was tortured for a small crowd. He was handed over to soldiers. And in Matthew 27, 28, 29, we read how they stripped him. How they put a scarlet robe on him. How they twisted a, a crown of thorns together and put that on his head. And a reed in his right hand. And they knelt down before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. They spat on him. And took the reed and began to beat him on the head. After that they mocked him. Took the scarlet robe off him. Put his own garments back on him. And led him away to crucify him. A horrible death was designated to prolong agony. Who did send Jesus to the cross? Is it the Jews? Is it the Roman soldiers? Me and you. Me and you did send Jesus to the cross. Remember that. You see, we are sinners born. And it's our sin that he went to the cross for. It was the God's plan. But we are all responsible for that cross. All of us. You see, the cross is not just a cross that happened because the Jews sent him there and the Romans hanged him. We are responsible. And if you can grab that into your heart and know that I send my Jesus to a cross, it changes your life. You see, then it's not just a cross for repentance. It's a cross that I am part of. Grab that in your heart. Let that cut deeper and deeper and deeper and that will change your life. A son that was loved by a father had to come to earth. So that I and you can be redeemed, can be restored to the Father God, can have a relationship with Him, can have eternal life one day. A son that came from his own will, 
He wasn't a weak man. He was bold and strong. And he was tough. You see, Jesus was bold. He was braver. He was stronger. And he was tougher than the nails that were driven into his wrist and feet. Because he gave himself. He gave himself for me and you. He knew about us then. And he said, I am dying for Tom. I am dying for Charles. I am dying for Peter. I'm dying for Kenneth. I'm dying for each one that was and is and is to come that will believe in me that will grab the cross. And he says to all of us, follow me. In Luke 9.23, and he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself. He must take up his cross daily and follow me. Now just think, just think, saying that to me and you in Matthew 10, 28. Do not fear or be afraid of those who kill the body but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear or be afraid of him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Now just think, saying this to your disciples, follow me. And the next moment they see him being hoisted on a cross. They were busy writing the future. They were busy with history. They did not know what we know now. Although Jesus proclaimed that he will build the temple in three days. They didn't understand it. And being asked this. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Or don't fear to be killed. What went through those guys' minds? It's easy for us now to read this and to say, Jesus, yes, we understand it now. But those poor guys did not understand it. They did not understand it. They were not tough at that moment. They scattered. They were afraid. There was fear that they also might end up on a cross at that moment if the Romans get hold of them. But then, but then, the curtain tore in two, and a new dawn, a new future, a new history being created. An empty grave, three days later, an empty grave. Maria ran on that Sunday. On today, this morning early, 
to the grave to bomb him. Do not be alarmed, the gardener said to her. Isn't it beautiful? A gardener or the angel. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. The empty grave. The empty grave. A man that was declared dead. A man. The man that they thought they killed. The Jews themselves said, he's dead. The soldiers didn't break his legs because he was dead. A spear was driven into his ricardium and blood and water flowed out of it. The proof of that he's dead. And Pilatus asked this one soldier again, is he dead? And the soldier said, yes, he's dead. And he laid in that grave for three days, dead. So he was dead. But you see, a lot of people were raised from the dead in Jesus' time. Jesus rose them. Who raised Jesus? He raised himself. He raised himself through the Father and the Holy Spirit. Walking out of that grave. And the stone was rolled away. And that stone was rolled away not for Jesus to come out. That stone was rolled away for me and for you to see and the disciples to see that the grave is empty. There's no one in that grave anymore. And he appeared to the disciples, the 11 of them. He appeared to the two along the road. He appeared to the 12 again when Thomas was there. I carry his name. I did suffer. I did have to poke his hands through all of them. I did. He's raised. He's alive. He's the one that we're looking for. He appeared to many, to 500. And for 40 days, he walked with the disciples, teaching them. Paul says, if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. And your faith is in vain. But we preach a risen Christ. Not a dead king, but a king that is alive. Our hope is in Jesus Christ, the risen. In 1 Peter 1, 3, Peter writes, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great Mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And that's our hope in times of uncertainty. That is where we are strong. That is where we are tough in. In Jesus Christ, 
in the living Jesus Christ, in the resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That makes us tough. That makes us different from this world. We do not have to fear. It's optional. In 1 Corinthians 15.55, it says, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Isaiah 13.14, I shall ransom them from the power of Sheol. I shall redeem them from death. O death, where are your plagues? O Sheol, where is your sting? We don't fear death anymore. It doesn't matter what happens to us. It doesn't matter if my house gets taken away from me. It doesn't matter if my car gets taken away from me. It doesn't matter anymore because Jesus Christ is my King. There's a life after this, a life with Him. He gave it to us. He gave His life. And He stood up alive. I am going to my Father to prepare a place for you. For where my father is, there is many rooms. That's our hope. That makes us tough. That makes us endure what this world is trying to throw to us. Together, individual, lifting one another up, taking one by the hand as he falls, pulling him through, The work of the Holy Spirit in each of us. Helping one another. Carrying one another. That makes us tough. And Jesus is looking each one in the eye now. Each one of us. In John 11.25, as he speaks to you, see him in front of you. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Do you? Believe this. This is history. We have got to write our history. Do we believe this? Or are we going to fail? The cloud of witnesses before us. Are we tough enough to be mentioned with the disciples, with the Pauls, with the Peters? Are we tough enough to be mentioned with the William Tendals, the Martin Luthers, the Christians in the time of Nero that had to give their lives, that became torches, the C.S. Lewis and the Billy Grahams? Are we tough enough to be mentioned with them? Are we tough enough? They were tough. They were not fought tough. They were not Bata tough, but they were Jesus tough. Jesus. And they did what Jesus 
asked them to do? And are we willing to do now what Jesus is asking us to do in Mark 16, 16 to 18? Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. Are we willing to spread the gospel? Are we willing to go out to spread the name of Jesus Christ in this time? Or are we going to perish with this world? Are you willing? Jesus is looking each one in the eye. Are you willing? Are we tough? Does our Christianity reflect the price he paid? Is the price he paid worth living for? That question, ask yourself, each one. Each one of us. Father, you gave your son for each one of us. You resurrected him on the third day for us to know that there's a, a life a life after this, that death has got no sting. That we should not be afraid of death, Father. That he has conquered everything. And if we believe in Jesus Christ, he has taken our sins unto him. And he says to each one of us, come, come be my disciple. Come, this is a glorious day for you. This is a day where you understand and know that I am alive. I'm not dead. I'm waiting for you in my Father's house. And I'm coming again to those, to fetch those, to fetch my bride, to fetch each one that believes. Each one that has confessed my name, go out, my disciples. Go out and spread the gospel. I am with you. I am with you because I am alive. Thank you for that. Thank you for that, Jesus. Thank you for that. Lord, let it be, let it be fixed in each heart. Let it grow in each heart. Father, let the seed fall in a heart that has been prepared, soft, moist, 
Order it, Lord. Order it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Tom. For it ons. Hij is toegaan. Um, Tom heeft iets gezegd wat en en het dit deer gekomen voor mij die hele naweek. Um, en weer terwijl hij praat van die begin af. Dus alles zo so persoonlijk verheren. Maar ik kan zo so van een geloofelie denk. Jezus het gekomen wat aan de wereld zo so lief gaat, die wereld. Ons kan so dink wereld, en vergeet hoe, en dit het theologische ding maak, is een kruis wat daar is, soos het Tom gesê het, is a, ons moet dit verstaan, en ons moet glo in dit, en sonder om rarig die ding te vat die naartoe, na jou as individie, en as jy die woord gaan lees, is die heren, is alles oor jou, wat hier sit vandag, en is jy per toeval, in 2021 nie. Hier het jy geroep vir vandag. Hy het jy gekies om te leven vandag, want hy het geweet, as ek jou hiesel in hierdie tyd, in hierdie generatie dat leef, is daar die beste kans vir jou om my te kies. En die beste kans vir jou om invloed te maak. Beter as wat Paulus sou gedoen het, of wie ook al in die tyd. Hy was geroep vir die tyd, en so is elkeen van ons geroep om die kruis na ons self toe te vat om die kruis te sien vir jouself. En as ons gaan lees, hoe myzing oor die heren sê, dat hy weet precies hoeveel hare is op elkeen van ons koppe. Hoekom sê hy hierdie goed? I knitted you, as ons gaan lees in Psalm, I knitted you together in your mother's womb. Daar is een persoonlijk die heren wil hee, jy moet weet. Want hy weet hoe min hare het om. En hy weet hoe minder hare het ek. Elke dag raak het minder. Het is amazing om daar aan te denk. Amazing om te weet, het gaan oor jou en my. Maar hier is die ding, is ook jy en ek, en hier is die groe ding, wat ons moet besef is ons, wat vandag leef, wat om aan die kruis vastgeslaan het. Het is deel geweest van die Heerse plan, om ons vry te maak. En as jy nie die ding vat vir jouself nie, as jy nie dit vat vir jouself nie, ga jy nie op die rood staan nie. So ek kan nie een zondagochtend, een rizende zondagochtend, celebration zondagochtend laat voorbij gaan, sonder om van die hele te vraag, is maak toe jylle oor, kom ons maak toe ons oor. Vraag jouself af in jou eie hart. Vraag jouself af in jou eie hart. Het ek het al myself, my eie gemaakt? Het ek al my eie hart geondersoek, te weet, Jesus het het gedoen vir my, ek is een zondaar, en ek het omnodig, en ek geloof dat dit wat hy gedoen het vir my, vir my, is om in verhouding met hom te wees. As jy dit nog nie gedoen het nie, 
en jy sit hier so, en jy, jy het nog altyd net geweet van Jesus, en jy het verstaan van Jesus, en jy ken die story van Jesus, maar jy het nog nie iets gemaakt vir wie jy is nie, in jou hart, waar jy jou leven dan neerlee, dat jy saam Jesus gekruisig word. Wil ek vraag dat jou hand sal opsteek vir oogend. As jy nog nie dit gedoen het nie, sal ons baie graag saam met jou wil bid vir oogend. Het is in jou enorm, persoonlijk. Het is in jou enorm. Amen. En dalk sit jy hier vir oogend, dalk sit jy hier vir oogend, en jy het het al voorheen gedoen. Jy het al voorheen. Maar die verhouding met die heren het koud geword, en lauw geword en jy weet, dat jy weet, jy kyk nie na die kruis, en jy dra nie elke dag jou kruis op, en leef jy net vir hom nie. Jy sal weet of jou verhouding met die Heere koud geword het. Wil ek vraag, dat jy ook jou hand sal opsteek, voor die Heere, voor die Heere. Het is een terugdraai na die Heere, is een repentance in jou hart. Het is om die kruis jou eie te maak, steek op jou hand volgend, ons wil graag saam met jou bid volgend, as jy wil terugkeer na die Heere. Nog enige iemand? Nog enige iemand? Amen. Dankie Heere vir volgend. Heere, ek bid vir die mense wat hulle aan hulle opgesteek het, Vader, en elkeen van ons inkluis ook, Heere dat ons sal in ons harte sien, Heere, dat dit is, ja, in ons harte die openbaring sal kom van wat jy gedoen het aan die kruis, Heere. Die versoening wat gekom het, Heere, die terugdraai in ons harte na jy toe, Vader, die wedergeboorte wat gebeur, die tot lewe kom, Heere, in ons harte, Heere. Ek kom bid vir dit, Vader, vooral specifiek vir die wat gereageer het vir oogend met die handen op, Vader, dat daar nieuwe lewe in hulle harte sal kom, soos wat hulle hulle levens vir jy gee, Heere. Vader, as ons kyk na die kruis, kan ek nie anders dras om my hart net voor die kruis neer te sit, Heere, my lewe voor die kruis, gee siel en lichaam, Vader, uit te giet vir jy, vir die prijs wat jy betaal het vir ons nie. Ons loof en prijs, Heere, en ons sê vir jy dankie daarvoor, Vader. En Heere, ek bid dat ons onbeskaamd sal leef vir jy, Vader en dat ons sal tough wees, Heere, dat ons sal courage het, dier dit wat jy vir ons gegeet, Heere, met ons oe op die kruis, maar ook ons oe op die leeggraf, Heere, om te weet, dat soos wat Jesus opgewek is, Heere, uit die dood, is ons opgewek nou, uit die dood, en ons kan leef, Heere, wat een wonderlijke voorig, Heere, ons bid het in Jesus in ons, Amen, Amen, vir die wat jylle hande opgesteek het, gaan lees Romeine 6 vandag, gaan lees Romeine 6, Romeine 6 wat vir ons verduidelik, soos, dis ook om ons die doop ook doen, soos wat ons in die graf le, soos staan ons op, en ons leef soos Jesus, nie nodig om terug te kyk, ons skryf nieuwe geskiedenis, Amen, daar is koffie, waar